Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel. And today we have a really cool episode planned with one of my business partners, John Carcone of Four Brothers Commercial. Before we dive in, I want to ask if you could take an extra 30 seconds and please head over to iTunes to rate this podcast with five stars. This helps us get more listeners and it means the absolute world to me. So thanks for making my day with that review of the show. All right, let's dive in. John went to Wake Forest University in North Carolina and majored in business. After graduation, he moved to Arlington, Virginia and took a job with a management consulting company called the Corporate Executive Board and worked his way up to managing a large sales team. In 2009, John created Four Brothers Buy Houses, which since then has bought and sold more than 200 single family properties all over the DC area. In the last few years, John started focusing on commercial buy and hold properties, specifically mobile home parks and self storage facilities in the Midwest. John and I uh, ended up partnering up in 2020 after both of us individually had two mobile home parks under contract in the same town just outside of Grand Forks, North Dakota. Uh, and since then, we have partnered on a total of seven mobile home parks together uh, with, with a few more on the way uh, that are under contract. So John's strengths are my weaknesses and vice versa. We compliment, we've complement each other well, and it's been a really good partnership. So John, I'm happy to welcome you to the show. I'm happy to be here. I've heard a lot about it, and uh, <laughs> it's been a dream come true. It was my Christmas wish that you would finally have me on, and, and it was granted. So I uh, couldn't be more thrilled. <laughs> awesome, man. You know, can you start out by telling our listeners uh, your story and how you uh, got into manufactured housing? You know, what was the trigger that uh, made you say, hey, I want to I own trailer parks someday? Uh, you know, I mean, who doesn't want to own trailer parks? You know, I mean, I feel like as a kid, as this little six-year-old kid, you know, that's one of your, one of the dreams. You want to be fireman, policeman, astronaut, or trail park, a trailer park owner. So, you know, that was definitely kind of, you know, since a very young age. Uh, no, so, um, yeah, you know, I made a lot of money. Well, not, well, that sounds ridiculous. I, you know, I made a fair amount of money in my single family flipping business since 2010. And um, what you realize is that when you have to go hunt and kill in order to eat, it's tiring and it's a lot easier and a lot more satisfying and a lot better quality of life if you can be more of a farmer where you're planting and you're getting recurring revenue. And so I uh, had been trying to get recurring revenue, passive income in a lot of different ways. We had, I bought some rentals in the DC area. I did some condo conversions in the DC area that I had then held as rentals, but student housing rentals. So I had 20, 25 rentals, but the cash flow just wasn't enough to support my lifestyle. And I've been trying for a few years. So certainly was sort of frustrated and confused about uh, why it, it wasn't where I thought it should be. And so, <coughs> excuse me, I knew I had to go into commercial or knew that commercial was probably a better way for me to get the passive income that I wanted. And uh, I like parks because they are pretty recession resistant generally, and they have been in the past, at least. It's the lowest 
tier of housing that exist exists pretty much. Um, and um, so it's generally kind of safe because everybody kind of moves down. The A class goes to the B class, B to the C, C to the C to the D, AKA mobile home parks. And so usually it does pretty well in a recession and I'm conservative by nature. So I felt like it was a good recession resistant asset class. And I felt like it, it was kind of ugly and kind of dirty. And so by its nature, not being sexy, I felt like the competition was going to be less than something like apartments. So I uh, had kind of a false start on it a few years prior where I got close to buying one and kind of, kind of didn't feel comfortable at the last minute because it's just such a ugly looking, can be such an ugly looking asset class. And uh, then came back to it a few years later and then finally, you know, took the plunge and bought my first deal in 2019. That's pretty awesome. You know, wow. To peel back the layers of that, you know, I know you also got in, involved in self-storage around the same mm -hmm. time, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe you can kind of shed a little bit of light on that and kind of the comparisons between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Self-storage is another one that, that is generally considered to be very recession resistant as well. At least again, it has been historically. And it's also fairly light on the management because you're not dealing with human beings and tenant turnover and things like that. You're just dealing with people's stuff. So there's less generally kind of emotion and drama and just, it's a little bit, uh, kind of a little more, um, light in terms of the management generally speaking. And so, yeah, I, I thought self-storage and, and mobile home parks, they tend to kind of both fall in that, that similar kind of bucket of good recession resistant asset classes. And, um, so I figured I would kind of market to both of them. I do a lot of direct to seller marketing is how I get most of my deals and bought my first and the only one so far still uh, storage facility in March of uh, 2020. So that was shortly after my first park, which was the end of, of 2019. So figured it'd be cool just to get the experience with different asset classes and just see firsthand how they actually perform relative to the pro forma and how much of a pain they are to manage and how time intensive they are. Yeah, that's very cool. You know, so you bought a park and a self-storage facility around the same time, you know, which has performed better? Um, they've both performed pretty much to expectations. We had more issues with that first park, probably I would say my very first one, than with the self-storage facility, but we did have some issues with the storage as well. So both of them, I would say, actually took a little bit longer to get to the performance we wanted than I would have thought, you know, we thought maybe a couple months, but it was more like four to six months that it took, which is probably to be expected anytime you're doing something for the first time, no matter what it is. And, you know, it's always going to take longer and cost more generally, whatever you're doing than you think it will. So which is better now, you know, now that we're like a year, year and a half in, um, you know, I'm happier with that mobile home park. It, it kicks off a lot more cash flow every month than the self-storage facility does. The, the, the park was 1.35 million. The storage was like 800,000. So the park was quite a bit more. Um, and I put a lot, a ton more money into it, but yeah, just the, uh, it, it does generate a lot more cash flow. Uh, the park does. So yeah, happy with both of them. Though. Very cool. What has been the uh, toughest hurdle so far for you uh, in the mobile home park business? The hardest is getting your first deal as a, as an operator. Um, it's a chicken or egg thing where you don't have the experience yet to be able to properly evaluate and feel comfortable buying a deal, but you can't get the experience to buy your first deal. 
And so there's that like leap of faith kind of thing and not knowing what you don't know. And as a more conservative person by nature, I was very acutely aware of all the things I didn't know. And so it was very, it took a long time, a lot longer than it should have for me to get comfortable enough to take the plunge and buy my first deal and, and take that risk. And so uh, just getting comfortable to, to take the leap of faith uh, was, was a, big, a big challenge for me. And also, you know, having to manage and run a fairly large other business on the single family side while also carving time out to start another line of business, essentially on the commercial side was longer and harder than I thought. And, I, and then I made a bad hire for the salesperson. So the, it lives or dies kind of on sales when you do direct to seller. And I had made a, I had hired somebody for six, eight months and he just ended up not being able to get anything done that was really meaningful. And um, once I uh, hired somebody new and fired him, that, that helped as well. So leap of faith, wrong salesperson and taking the time um, away from my other business were all uh, some of my challenges. Yeah, totally. Uh, what are the most important things that passive investors, you know, we're talking about LPs here, limited partners, need to look out for when investing into the mobile home park asset class? Yeah, I think um, one of the things that I like about, you know, so, so I, I met with the sponsor one time to just invest passively, and I didn't like that he was just buying everything through brokers or was listed. I felt like you want to have as many competitive advantages as you possibly can. And so I like the competitive advantage of going off market direct to seller, which most operators do not do. They just rely on broker relationships and listed parks. So you can have a competitive advantage by getting more of a discount on the purchase than you otherwise would. And ultimately, I think the discount on the purchase relative to the value is probably one, one of the most important, if not the most important factor of safety as either a GP or an LP. Um, so yeah, I, I really like the, uh, I really think it's important to make sure that, that you're getting a discount relative to what it's worth when you're buying it. Cause that, that's your kind of margin of safety. Spoken as a, a true wholesaler would say. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, what does the perfect mobile home park look like in your eyes and why? Um, you know, it's, it, it's changed. I mean, we, I started more focusing on the cash flow piece of it, but I think now it's, it's kind of what the average operator probably wants, which is a hundred plus lots, good, well laid out park that has some newer shingled roof homes along with, you know, maybe another mix of vintage, nice, nice roads, curbs and paved parking pads um, in a, in a decent, in a decent city and decent MSA. So, you know, that, that's the ideal in a market like this, very difficult to find that at, at numbers that make sense in terms of buying it. Um, but, but that would be the ideal, I think. Yeah, when you find those, you got to bring them to me first, okay? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what hurdles does the manufactured housing industry face moving forward? And, you know, maybe you could shed some light on what you think a $15 an hour minimum wage would do to the asset class. Yeah, I mean, um, I think certainly longer term and more like esoteric or, you know, kind of hard to judge issues is stuff like um, the cost of construction going down by things like 3D printing and stuff like that. If that ever like, they, it just, you know, gets exponentially better. And now all of a sudden you can build houses, you know, for 10 grand or something or 20 grand, which I think is quite unlikely because just the cost of materials are continually go up and the cost of land goes up and the cost of infrastructure, water, sewer, they have to do goes up. But 
you know, that's that's a possible longer term like outside risk that I think is probably pretty unlikely. Um, I think that certainly um, there's just the market risk wherever you buy any property that if it's if it's a smaller market and there's an, a major employer that shuts down or something, and now all of a sudden you have a lot less jobs, you know, that can be obviously an issue for whatever, be it a park or an apartment that you have. And the $15 an hour wage, you know, will be interesting, you know, in, in, in theory, that'll have, um, that'll make it so people will employ less workers in theory, because they have to pay them more, but the workers they do have will make more money. And so potentially at the low end, there might be, might be harder to find a job because there are fewer of them that pay better, but the ones that do have a job, they have a little more money, which could possibly help mobile home parks. So I think probably it'll come out in the wash would be my guess. Yeah, I think that's a fair, a fair guesstimate there. What do you think about inflation? You know, I think we're already seeing it in our business, you know, material costs, like you said, are, are going up from lumber to, you know, skirting, everything is getting delayed and costing more, you know, how do you, how do you think mobile home parks will fare through a, a high inflation, uh, you know, economy and, you know, how can, how can they be moted if, if you will? Yeah. I think like most real estate, I think parks either will be shielded from any negative impacts of inflation or they're going to potentially even benefit from it. So if the buying of mobile homes, like we've seen, you know, has gone up, you know, 20% or something in the last like six months, who knows if that's permanent or not, if it is permanent now, all of a sudden the cost to build a park, in terms of replacement costs to rebuild it just went up at least 20%. Um, and so that's just a good thing. Um, that just means that you own an asset now that to rebuild it would cost a lot more. And so in theory, it should, should be worth more. Also having long-term debt at a decent interest rate and a lot of inflation, your debt amount stays the same, but the value of those dollars you pay it back with is less in the future. And so you actually have less effective debt. So that's the beauty of real estate is it's pretty inflation resistant, inflation protected. And um, I, so I, I think that uh, it'll be neutral at worst and probably will be a benefit. Very cool. Uh, what, what can you tell us about Four Brothers Commercial and you know, where you uh, will be in you know, say the next five to 10 years? Uh, probably in a monastery in Tibet. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere uh, meditating 12 hours a day um, I don't yeah I I, uh, I don't actually do any planning well I guess I do a little planning um, I would say that probably um, I'm going to continue to try to extract myself from my businesses as much as I possibly can to have as much free time as possible to live my life um, so that's been a work in progress certainly, and that's going to continue. So I expect to be even more hands-off, hopefully on the commercial business and also on the single family business to have more time to do fun stuff like play hacky sack and, uh, you know, go spear fishing and meditate in a monastery and whatever else. You gotta, you gotta invite me kite surfing one of these days as well, right? That's one of your hobbies. I, I don't want you, I don't want you to uh, make me look bad when you're out there. So I don't know. I'll have to think about it. <laughs> awesome, man. Um, so last, last question here, what would be like your one tip 
you know, for passive investors out there looking at mobile home parks that maybe have invested in other private equity, you know, maybe it's self-storage or multifamily, you know, what would be your one tip uh, to them, you know, looking at the mobile home park asset class and considering an investment? Yeah, I think, I think because it's, especially if you're not familiar with the asset class, it's going to be really hard for you to evaluate the specific deal that the sponsor is, is raising money for. And so it's probably a little bit easier to feel comfortable with the sponsor. So how long have they been doing this for? How many deals have they done? How many deals have they gone full cycle with to actually value add and then get to the end point, which is a sale or a refi. And you want somebody that has a, you know, fairly long period of time and has done a lot of deals and has a good track record. So I think, you know, evaluating the sponsor is probably a little bit like easier to do for somebody not familiar with the asset class. And it's probably the more important thing. It's, it's more the jockey than it is the horse in uh, syndications, in my opinion. So that's kind of what I would say. Yeah, that's great advice. Great advice. John, uh, how can our listeners get a hold of you if they would like to do so? There's a, there's a, there's a thing that says, um, don't feel free to contact me. <laughs> it's like an introvert meme, you know, thing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you know, um, you know, my website, fourbrotherscommercial.com. Uh, feel free to, uh, yeah, reach out through there and, uh, yeah, happy to, happy awesome. to talk. That sounds great, John. Well, you know, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm, I'm really happy we got to do this and you got to share part of your, uh, your, your sense of humor with the listeners. Uh, You're welcome. I, I really appreciate it, man. Happy to do it. Awesome. Well, that's it for today, folks. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Would you like to see mobile home park value add projects in progress? If so, follow us on Instagram at Passive MHP Investing for photos and awesome videos from our recent mobile home park acquisitions. Once again, that's at Passive MHP Investing on Instagram. See you there.